sermon series this morning, Scale the Mountain, Worshiping God from the Songs of His People. We are almost through the first hundred psalms. Not that we've had a hundred sermons on it, but we are in Psalm 90 this morning. So we are moving our way through. Uh, and if you'll remember, uh, the, the scale is an acronym uh, that we are using to kind of help us have some tools to unpack the Psalms. Looking at the story of us and God's people, the, uh, uh, Christ as the center of all the Psalms, uh, turning our affections to the Lord, turning our will and our emotions to the Lord, loving God and neighbor and the law, and then finally exalting or worshiping God. This morning, I'm going to ask you, how do you define success? How do you define success in your life? I think one of the reasons that sports are so popular in our culture is because there's an ease in defining success. There's like a scoreboard, right? There's a score, somebody wins, somebody loses, and ultimate success is you win this championship. Like whatever it is, there is a champion, right? I think it's part of the reason why college football was like, hey, we got we to gotta get a champion. We got to, all these arguments about who is actual champion, let's just make a playoff and let's figure it out. Maybe it's not perfect, but there is some identifiable success. What about your life? What about your family or your job? What about us in our church? How do we define success and what is the key to being successful? Sometimes, I think, depending on what season we are in our lives, we would love to have a scoreboard that we could look at to see, like, how are we doing? Are we winning? Are we being successful? At other times, we're like, really glad that there isn't a scoreboard, right? Because we're like, ah, we're pretty sure we're not doing well. But how do we define success and what is the key to being successful? Well, our psalm ends in this way, and, and you may be very familiar with this verse of our psalm. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the ESV this morning. That phrasing is a little bit more uh, familiar, and so we're going to use that this morning. But the NLT that we normally use says, God, would you make us successful? Uses that language of making us successful. So establish the work of our hands. Make us successful. Well, what does that mean? Well, the context of the rest of the psalm is really key to understanding exactly what that means. Because often, as happens with the psalms in general and throughout the scriptures, sometimes we'll pick a verse and we'll say, this is really helpful for me. But in context, it might mean the exact opposite of what we've thought it meant, right? Like we have to understand it in the context of what this means. Does this mean our own individual callings? Whatever work we're doing, the work that we have before us, God, would you put your favor on it and establish the work that I'm doing? Okay, maybe. But what if it's not the work God has for you to be doing? Sometimes I think we baptize our desires with a little spirituality 
rather than submitting ourselves to Jesus and letting him dictate things. So how are we to know? Well, we're going to look at the rest of this psalm to find out in context. Because this psalm, establishing the work of our hands, isn't meant, we'll see, to elevate us, but to put us in the proper eternal perspective. It isn't meant to produce pride in us. It actually is designed to produce humility in us. That this phrase, establish the work of our hands, comes at the end of a psalm designed to increase our humility. And it can apply to our lives individually, for sure, and the work that we do, but only secondarily, right? The primary place the psalmist is saying this is the mission of God's people to our mission collectively as the church. That's the primary way in which he's talking about establishing the work of our hands. Now, a little side note on individualized application. Not all of that is illegitimate for sure, right? Like we can actually learn from this about our own work, our own callings. All of those things are absolutely important. But we want Scripture to inform all of our lives, absolutely. But it's really important that we first understand what is the author of Scripture trying to communicate first as the primary way in which this plays out. And then secondarily, we can learn from this, right? So, for instance, 1 Corinthians 13, right? The famous chapter on love. You hear it at weddings all the time. It's actually about how the church should love one another. Like the whole context of that passage is about how the church should love one another. Now, that absolutely applies to marriages and in weddings. That's appropriate. But it's not the primary way in which it applies. It's a secondary way, right? So this morning, the primary way in which this psalm applies is to our mission as a church. And then secondarily, to our own individual lives and callings, okay? So that's how we're going to walk through some of these things. Now, the psalm itself, it starts by saying, A prayer of Moses, the man of God. So this is a psalm attributed to Moses. It has been passed down in Israel from the beginning of Israel all the way through and collected into the psalms. And so that's part of how we know that this is a psalm designed at the mission of God's people. This is Moses, a prayer of Moses to the Lord. All right, well, we're going to read through the whole thing here. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. 
Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So what does it mean to be successful? What would that look like in the mission of God's people, in our mission as a church? And what is the key to that success? These are the questions I want us to have in mind. I'm not necessarily answering them completely, but I want us to have those questions in our head. I do think the psalm gives us an indirect answer to these questions, and I want to suggest that a key to success is actually surrender. Surrendering to God's, surrendering our agenda to God's agenda. And the key to surrender is humility. And that's what this psalm is chiefly about. Our humility. So the first part of the psalm looks at our humility in light of God's eternal nature. Our humility in light of God's eternal nature. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. This is designed to help us think about the grand nature of who God is. A thousand years is like an instant for him. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Now, if we are to think about success for us as a church, if you think about church growth strategies or anything like this, there's a couple of different things that are in mind usually when it comes to those things. One is to build up internally as a church, like to focus our attention on the people here and building one another up. A second option is to expand externally, whether that's through church planting or through evangelism and mission and outreach and all of these things, and to focus there. Now, both of those things are very good, and a combo of those things is actually really what is required from the Lord for us to be faithful and executing the mission that he has for us. But what is this psalm trying to get us to see when it comes to thinking about that? In order for us to say, God, establish the work of our hands. God, do this mission thing through us. I think we need to look at our efforts with humility in light of God's eternal nature. So, in order to see that a little bit, I'm going to go back to the whiteboard today. Maybe. Yep, there it is. Okay. Okay. So. Whoa. Okay. Now, if we are to 
see our mission, right? See the mission of the church. Yes, I was an architecture major in college. No, I do not know how to draw. I used the computer a lot. So one of the options that we have is that we can build up internally. So let's just say we're going to add a bunch of detail to this thing. Oh, look at that. It's a nice little brick building. I add a little detail there. You know, a little window there, right? We can build up internally. Now, I'm not talking about the physical building. That's just a diagram for us focusing on ourselves and our internal growth. Or we could expand. We could plant a bunch of churches. Or we could expand and, and you know, just make ours real big, Right? But what this psalm is telling us is all of that effort happens in a span of 70 to 80 years. Right? And God is from, whoa. God is from everlasting to everlasting. And that doesn't even actually show it, right? We got to actually say. This is actually more like this. All of the efforts that we do as a church in comparison to the everlasting nature of God, it's like a dot. And that's actually probably not even it either. It's probably more like, let's, let's, get, let's get down there, right? Oh, didn't mean to do that. Still figuring this thing out. It's like that. You see that right there? Everlasting. To everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting is God. And the work that we do, all the effort, everything that we're devoted to, our mission, all of those things, it's like an instant. Now, how does that under, change our understanding of success? Right? It changes the way in which we say, establish the work of our hands. First, it gives us some historical connection. We're not alone. We're not the first people that have done this. We're not the first folks who are following Jesus and figuring this thing out. We actually are connected to Moses. Moses, who said, our efforts pass away in, in, in a moment. And Lord, you are from everlasting to everlasting. We're connected to him. It also gives us some humility. We think we're hot stuff sometimes. We should have some humility. We should have some humility. Because in light of God's grandeur, just but an instant. It also gives us freedom. 
We get to remove the unbearable weight of eternity on us. Sometimes when we think about the mission of the church and we think about friends and family who don't know the Lord, sometimes we feel this weight of eternity. We feel this weight of if I'm not the one to share the gospel with them, if I'm not the one to have the influence in their lives, if I can't do it, what's going to happen? Well, that weight of eternity is not meant for us to bear. Now, we're meant to be faithful. We're going to talk about that in a moment. We're meant to be faithful in that and to care and have compassion and to share the gospel and to love. But the weight of eternity cannot sit on your shoulders. It cannot sit on our shoulders. It sits with the Lord because he is eternal. From everlasting to everlasting. We really got to, like, Think about that. Like, think about that diagram. That tiny little dot. That's huge in comparison to our lives, in comparison to the eternal nature of God. Right? That little dot is like the size of the earth in comparison to the grandeur of God, right? So we could get way, 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 way smaller in comparison to the grandeur of God. This is necessary for us to see. This is necessary for us to see so that we would actually contemplate His greatness. And here's the crazy thing. In His eternity, in His grandeur, He still cares to listen to Moses. He still cares to listen to you. Now, that doesn't diminish the work that we are doing or the work of your life or our time period at all. It actually establishes it in its proper perspective. Here's the crazy thing. With that little dot, you get to impact eternity. Right? As small as that is, in this 70, 80 years of your life, you get to have an impact for all of eternity. Get to. Remember, right? We have the freedom. We're not bearing the burden of eternity. You get to participate in the mission of God and have an impact in all, for all of eternity. That helps us have humility to remember who God is and what he's doing. But also courage and boldness to say, if God is from eternal, uh, everlasting to everlasting, he's going to accomplish what he's going to do. He will get it done. Now, the psalmist also tells us, Moses also tells us to have humility in light of God's wrath on sin. This psalm takes an interesting turn, right? Uh, Chris was asking me this morning what my title was, and I said the key to success. And he was like, oh, you go a motivational speaker? Well, this psalm takes an interesting turn for a motivational speaker. Humility in light of God's wrath on sin. You're not going to really sell out Emmons for that one, right? Like, but that's where Moses goes. He says, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed. He's speaking about mankind. 
that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Yikes. That's how to create humility. To actually consider not only God's everlasting nature. It's not just that he is eternal and we are finite and small. It's that he is eternal and he is king and we are rebels against the king. We're not just small. We're disobedient and small. We act as though we have the upper hand on God when we don't. And we act like we do, right? Like, who can you, how how do you tell us what to do, God? Look at me. I am my own person. I can do what I want. I mean, I'm going to live like 70 years. Look at that. And I'm in control of when I live and when I die. I'm in control of all the things that I do. I'm in control of actually what I am as a person. You didn't give me my height. I gave myself my height. I determined how smart I was. I worked hard. I did the... No, none of that's true. Your life is a gift. And yet we act as though that's the way it works. And rebel against God. Doing what he tells us not to do in thought, word, and deed, and not doing what he tells us to do in thought, word, and deed. Right? If Moses starts by saying God is everlasting, he is powerful, he is everywhere, and he is glorious, then we ought to say, all right, we gotta, huh, we, we should have some fear of the Lord, and we should change our ways, and yet we do the opposite. So if we're going to create humility, we actually have to get honest about our sin. We have to get honest about the ways in which we rebel against the Lord. Right? This isn't just all the time, right? All the scriptures are written primarily for God's people. Meaning Moses, as he's singing this, as he's writing this prayer, when he says, your For all our days pass away under your wrath. He's talking about God's people and the whole of the earth. But the the audience in which he is giving this prayer to is God's people. Right? Often when we think about this, when we think about sin and it creating humility, we have in mind those who don't follow Jesus, neighbors, enemies, those out there in the world, When God talks about wrath against sin, where does Paul say it starts? It starts with the church first. It starts with God's people first. We actually need to get honest about our own stuff. And then we can actually 
love neighbor and talk with them about their sin and, and all of those things, right? But not until we're honest about our own stuff. Not until we're really ready to be vulnerable about our own weakness and get honest about these things. Without attention paid to this reality, we will go on living lives that are outwardly successful, defined by the world. But what good is that if it's swept away in an instant? Remember, we were in the book of Revelation for a long time before sabbatical. And remember, the warning of Revelation is wake up, church. Don't look like Babylon. Look like the church. Babylon is going down. You need to wake up and repent and be the church. Loving God and loving neighbor. So in light of this, you might be thinking, okay, so God is everlasting and we are finite and tiny. God is gloriously holy and we are sinners. How does Moses end this psalm by saying, Lord, let your favor be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Really? These hands? You're from everlasting. You do it. That would be far better. Also, these hands are pretty dirty. Like, th th these aren't the hands you want to use. Remember, we pass away under your wrath, Lord. That's why we need to finally end with humility in light of God's mercy for sinners. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands upon us. This psalm keys in on an unspoken reality that there's this promise of a holy and eternal God who will come and save finite, broken, sinful people. God in His holiness loves you and has set His affections upon you. He has said, I want you. In your brokenness, in your sin, I'm coming after you. He sent his son Jesus to come to the earth, to live in and among us, to teach us who God is and what he's like, and ultimately to die in our place, to pay for our sin, so that we could come clothed in his perfection to stand before God. How can we learn to stand before God and say, God, establish the work of these hands? Only when these hands are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Only when these hands are the ones that we have confessed our sins and we have turned from our sins because the Lord has turned to us. 
And we have come before Him asking for His pity and His mercy. Asking for His steadfast love. And He has granted that to us. If you are trusting in Christ and Him alone for salvation, if you are a Christian, you have the righteousness of Jesus over you. You have His perfection credited to you. And so when you say, Lord, establish the work of our hands, you're coming not simply as sinner. You're coming as sinner saved by grace and clothed with the righteousness of Jesus to ask the Lord to do what He's going to do to accomplish His everlasting purpose. This is good news. This is really good news. Did you notice here at the end of this section? Let your work be shown to your servants, right? Work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Your work. Now, God, establish the work of our hands. What work is God establishing in us? It's His work. It's His very work that we're asking Him to establish in us. This is... This should produce all the more humility. Because not only is God eternal from everlasting to everlasting, not only are we sinners, not only has God, the everlasting one, saved us from our sin in his steadfast love and mercy, he's now said, you're going to accomplish my everlasting purposes. We get even more. It's not simply that we are saved by God's mercy. We are saved by God's mercy and then we are equipped to do the work that God has for us. Right? Ephesians does this very same thing, right? You're saved by grace and now there's these works that God has already prepared for you to walk in. All of the scriptures are telling the same story. We get to be in the Father's business. Come and learn from Jesus and be in the work of Jesus. So, why then is humility the key to success? Well, it depends on how you define success. If our success is defined as honoring God and being faithful, then humility submits our agenda to His. We surrender our agenda to His. Now, in surrendering our agenda to His, re remember what you're getting. You're not surrendering this glorious agenda that will last forever. You're surrendering what is tiny for what is eternal. Surrendering your agenda to the Lord's, which is from everlasting to everlasting. So this should promote humility in us. That means that we don't take on more than we should. Right? Humility means we don't take on more than we should. If we are this tiny little span in this tiny little spot, but that tiny little span in this tiny little spot has 
an eternal weight and effects for all eternity, then we should do what God has called us to do, but not more than that. You've got to remember that we cannot take on more than our finite human lives can take. We'll reach a limit. Humility in the pursuit of God's mission means we're not going to take on more than we should. But we can actually take on what God establishes in us. Right? This is Moses' prayer. He says, your work should be shown. God, would you show your work and then establish that work in us? What Moses is saying is, pray to Jesus. What do you have for us? And then do that. That's it. Just that. Not more than that, but just that. That means we don't have to burn ourselves out. Now, we can actually die to ourselves and sacrifice and serve. Absolutely. That's what Jesus calls us to. But there's this fine line between dying to self and serving and burning myself out because I actually think I'm Jesus. Right? This whole thing should give us the humility to say, you're not Jesus. You're not the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't happen because you don't do it, that might be totally okay. God's got other people. He's got other plans. He knows what he's doing. He's not asking you to be Jesus. He's asking you to be the church. He's asking you to do what he's calling you to do. What he's calling us to do of loving him and loving neighbor. But we don't have to burn ourselves out. We don't have to be Jesus. Because we get to be with Jesus. What did he say? Satisfy us with your steadfast love. Guys, I said it. My first Sunday back. I'm just going to keep coming back to this same thing. Slowing down. Wasting time with Jesus. And I think in that, he's going to show us exactly what he wants us to do. That's hard. That's mysterious. That's maybe a little too squishy for some of you, right? Like you want, no, tell me exactly. No, we're going to trust the Holy Spirit. We're going to lean into this. If we are not being satisfied by the steadfast love of Jesus, let's not yet say establish the work of our hands. Let's try to be satisfied by the love of Jesus. Let's say, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love and then establish the work of our hands. You actually get that. Because God loves you. Because he loves you, he is saying, I will not, I, I don't just want a whole army of folks to go do this thing. I want my children to come near to me and then I will show you what we're going to do. And I'm really going to do it all. I'm just going to, you know, kind of help you along, right? He's really the one doing it all. 
Ultimately for us as a church, if we are going to continue to be faithful to what Jesus calls us to, which we believe Jesus is calling us to hard stuff. We believe that Jesus wants us here in this place to love God and love neighbor in hard and radical ways. That's not changing at all. That's hard. We want God to establish that work in us. But that's only going to happen when we recognize his eternal nature, our own sin, his mercy to us in that, and then beyond that, that we get him. And that we spend time with him first. So let's commit ourselves in humility to that so that God would establish the work of our hands. All right, we're gonna, I'm going to pray and then we're going to recite the end of this psalm together, just 16 and 17, as we've been doing, um, because these psalms are, are meant to be read together as God's people. So let me pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, you are from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, we need to see our tininess in light of your greatness. And yet, Lord, even in our tininess, even in our sinfulness, you set your love upon us individually and collectively before the foundations of the earth. Jesus, would you overwhelm us with your steadfast love? Satisfy us with it and establish the work of our hands. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's stand together and let's read. Nope. We're going backwards. There we go. All right, let's read this together. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. All right. All right, we're actually going to 